Welcome to Gardening Talk, back on to and you are FM. Greg Richard here with Scott Sharp. Scott, great to see you brave the weather today. Yeah, it has been a little bit uh, moist out there. Very moist indeed. Yeah, I reckon the plants need to put their wellies on at the moment, since I'm floating away. Maybe pop up an umbrella as well. They'd need that, have you? Yeah, just something to soak it up, a very big sponge around them. Too much rain. Yeah, too much. That's, I think that's where we were going to. Scott Sharp, what do you got for us today? Well, I thought I'd talk about a plant that actually likes a little bit of dryness. That's the lavender. Uh, cherry blossoms out in flower at the moment, and people's agaves are dying all around town. Oh, right. Yeah, not a good thing, but it's all natural, and we'll talk about it later. Oh, so it's not that much of a mystery. No, not really. Oh, disappointing. Sherlock doesn't need to be here. <laughs> And we've got Helen from Wall's End, and she wants to take cuttings from a cactus plant. Hello, Helen. How can we help you? Well, it's actually a zygo, um, Scott, which um, I pretty well finished flowering, and I just want to take some cuttings from it, and I would like to know if it's too early or wait a bit longer or... Look, no, no, certainly you can take those those cuttings now. You can pinch a little, you know, one of those little segments uh, away. It. Yeah, and, and I just wonder if it was too cold or maybe leave it a bit longer. Well, I don't know. I don't know that we have had such a cold winter this year. Uh, you know, I guess it's got cold these last couple of days, but still uh, not too yep. bad. Uh, look, I, I think with the zygo cactus, you could almost take your cuttings almost any time. Okay. Uh, yeah, but certainly, yeah, just take your pinchings now and uh, and put them in little rows, and you should get them to strike very, very easily. Uh, okay. And just for other listeners, zygo cactus are a, a beautiful little succulent-type cactus that uh, they flower around Mother's Day, actually, is probably a good way to describe them, and they are one of the toughest plants you can have. Uh, Helen, you can probably tell me about how tough yours is. Well, I've got about... Or about four or five, and they're lovely. They're not long; they don't flower long enough for my liking, but that's the way it goes. But um, I'd like to know also, Scott, is there a, a, a yellow one that you can get, or a lemony colour? I thought there was, but I haven't been able to find one. Yeah, the, the, there's a whole range of colours, as you probably know. They uh, you know stretch from that really dark, almost ruby red colour, yep. uh, to a, oh, I'm just uh, almost a. A, a beautiful, almost a bright mustard colour in a way. They're, they're, right, they're, yeah. And so you can get yellowy coloured ones. So you also, of course, the most common one are the pinks. Uh, you can get some whites in there as well. But there's a, just a, an enormous range, and they are best to buy around that Mother's Day uh, period. Okay. Uh, and that's when you'll get your biggest choice. Right. Uh, look, and again, uh, you know, you can just leave them, almost put them under the house or just hide them away and yep. they'll just grow and grow and they'll keep on going for you. And then around Mother's Day, off they'll go again. You'll have these beautiful flowers. Like you said, they are only uh, short-lived, but uh, the um, amount of flower that they do get on them is just astounding and such an easy plant to look after. They really are. Yeah. Thank you very much, Scott. Okay, thank you very much for the call, Helen. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. It's Gardening Talk back on to when you are FM. If you've got a question for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. And we've got Joe from Cardiff, and she's got a question about oregano, or do you say oregano? Oregano. Oregano. An oregano. I finally got that one out, didn't I? Where was it? Well, what's your issue with it, Joe? How can we help? And how do you say it, Joe? I say, actually, I say oregano. Um, yeah. Not oregano. I say oregano. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. What is the right... I don't know. And I'd be thinking origami as well. So you don't really say or- origami. Uh, yeah. yeah. Joe, anyway. what's, what's happening? <laughs> um, it has little black tips on all the leaves. Yes. And um, 
it's just not seeming to go away. I'm thinking, oh, maybe it needs a little bit more water because my husband moved it from the gar- the garden into a pot so I could access it easy. And, um, yeah, all the tips are black. So I've just picked some for some cooking I'm doing and mm-hmm. I'm just sitting there picking all the black bits off in case they're a fungus or something. <laughs> no, no, look, they're, they're not a fungus. Uh, I'd say what's happened uh, is when your husband's moved it, he's slightly, you know, um, damaged the root system and the tips of the, the leaves are always going to be the first ones to die back if, uh, you know, it's a little bit stressed or dried out for some reason. Okay. Uh, so, look, I, w- I wouldn't be concerned. Um, you can cook those as well. They might be a little bit okay. crispier. Okay, but Yeah. <laughs> Uh, look, but I, uh, the oregano loves being uh, grown in a pot because they like uh, a well-drained soil, so you can get the potty mix to match that. You, there's, you know, quite uh, good uh, herb mixes out there that you can get, uh, okay, and not just drain so away. Yeah, and make right. sure it's out in the full sun as well. Yeah, it is great yep. because the other thing that can happen if you have it in too much shade, uh, you know, it can actually sort of go a bit, you know, black and and just almost rot away because it hasn't got enough sun and it can't use the moisture um, that it's sucking up through its root system. So it does like uh, well drained soil. I know I've got some in my backyard. Uh, it's in a little bit too much shade. Uh, um, and it struggles. So, yeah, it really needs to be out in full sun. That's where well, it'll take the off. the reason he did move it from the garden, because it just took over and it was hanging over the side and it was really beautiful, and but it just took over the garden. And I think it's one of those herbs as well that it's a, a good idea to go out there and cut every now and again just to keep it nice and fresh. Yep. Uh, you know, otherwise it can get a bit hard um, okay. when you're using in your, in your in your cooking. I reckon it tastes fantastic with chicken. Yes, yep. I'm doing meat pies, so just in a mint. So, oh, yeah. geez, our mouths are watering oh. here, Joe. You've... What, what time are they being delivered? Yeah, <laughs> we'll make sure at the door before anyone else gets there. Okay. Thanks, Scott. Thank you, Joe. Good luck Thank with you. it. Bye. 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 So it's oregano. Uh, well, going with. well, that's what Joe says. So I, I think we mix and match then. But uh, we... I think the Americans say oregano. Yeah, I think we've got some sort of Aussie consensus mm. yeah. in between. Yeah. We've got Mary Ann now from Summerland, and she's looking for pet-friendly ground cover for under citrus trees. That's oh, correct. Yeah, How are you? good, Mary Ann. Uh, what sort of pets have you got? Um, a dog. Yeah. Um, he's uh, thirteen year old. Um, he has stomach issues as it is. Yes. And um, it wasn't until I went searching on the internet yesterday while I was designing the backyard that I found that what I had intended on putting back there perhaps wasn't such a good idea. What What were you going to put in there? Well, we're going to put in little rubies. Oh, right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, for those sort of situations, especially under a citrus tree as well, it's going to be in the full sun pretty much, uh, I would think, because that's where citrus trees like to be. Uh, it's going okay. to struggle as well because that citrus is going to be, you know, sucking up as much nutrient and moisture as it possibly can. So right. I, I was thinking maybe a myoporum. Now, it is a native. Uh, ground cover. It's very quick growing, uh, a very thick uh, base as well, so it'll keep all the weeds and things under control. The other thing, great thing about Myoporum is that it actually has a flower on it too, so you can get a little white flower. Uh, there's a variety with a pink flower, and it, it's not going to um, be um, you know harmful to your, your dog in any way, so I, I think that'd be a great choice for you. Um, the other one I was thinking about as well when uh, Joe from Cardiff uh, called up is you can put thyme or oregano and use that as a ground cover as well and just let it spread out. And, of course, it's not going to be harmful to your pets either. 
Oh, beautiful, because yeah. I was going to do um, um, veggie patches too, so I can kill two birds with one stone there. Yeah, and look, thyme and oregano, they form really thick, uh, you know, uh, cupboard, coverings for the uh, for the ground. Uh, the other great thing about them is they're not too expensive to go and buy because often you can buy them as a seedling uh, or as a little herb pot, so you're not, uh, you know, forking out a lot of money to get a, a good, decent coverage growing straight away. Oh, excellent. Uh, just one more question yeah, sure. in, in that regard. Um, have you found one on the internet called Snow in Summer, which, again, sounds like the Mayapurin where it has the white white flowers on it? Yeah, look, from, that, from, from memory, that's a, a type of cerastium. I think it actually grows up a little bit higher. Mayapurin actually stays very close to the ground. Serastium right. uh, can get a little bit woody, and I think you'd probably be there tending to it a little bit too much, trying to keep it, you know, pruned and, uh, you know, just to stop it going too woody and not and keep it nice and fresh. So, uh, yeah, look, it, look, it's not a bad ground cover. It is very tough, but I think probably a little bit more care you'd have to give it to uh, be right. successful. Yeah. Okay, so the myoporin sounds like it's the way to go. It certainly would be, uh, and it's a native, so you get bees coming in as well. All sorts of benefits. Beautiful. Okay, thank you very much, Marianne. Thank you, lovely show. Thank you very okay. much. Thanks for the chat. Bye-bye. Bye. It's very handy you can use thyme and oregano as ground cover. <laughs> it, it is, isn't it? And and you can just go out there and pick it and eat it. And they are. They're, they're as tough as nails. So under a citrus, those uh, two plants are going to do really, really well. Excellent. It's Gardening Talk back on 2 RFM. If you've got a question for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call, 49216216. And we've got Alan, who's got a question about wisteria. Hello, Alan. How can we help you? I've just got to, um, I've got some wisteria cuttings in. Yeah. That I dug up last year, and um, the the best time to dig them back up, they're all dormant now, but can they be dug up any time now and then? Put into a permanent home? Yeah, look, I think now would be actually be a, a good time to do that because they are dormant. Um, so you're not going to be damaging them in any way uh, by doing that. Um, yeah, so look, any deciduous plant, uh, when they are dormant, roses, uh, you, know, you know, any taller growing trees, if you want to transplant them, uh, wisteria, of course, it is the best time to do it when they're dormant. Okay, well, I wasn't sure because I, there's that period from when I dug them up last year uh, and transplanted them like that, as in uh, running shoots they were. Yes, yeah. I transplanted them into a, a common area, and uh, and I just like I said, I want to put, give them a permanent home now. So. Yeah, and look, the main thing, Alan, is when you're doing that transplanting, uh, don't sort of pull them and drag them out of the ground. Try and make a, as, as clean a cut as possible with the spade or, you know, the, the pruning saw, whatever you're using, um, because you do more damage with the fine hair by dragging out the root system and damaging the fine hair roots than just cutting through a, a main uh, root and then replanting that. Yeah, well, it takes a long while for them to grow back then, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. It, and, and all the moisture is being absorbed in through those little fine hair hair roots on the plant. So they're the ones to try and preserve best as possible. Yeah, okay. Good on you. Okay. Uh, and just remember wisteria, Alan, it grows really quick and can do damage to lattice and, uh, you know, timber structures. So just make sure you're, you're putting it somewhere nice and sensible. Yeah, well, I've got a driveway which has a, uh, a lily plea planted every one metre. Yes, and it's uh, the lily pillies at the moment are about three metres high, and I'm just trimming it up enough for the car to drive through, and the wisteria I want to take over, that will run. Yeah, yeah, look, it will. The other thing you can do with wisteria as well is make a frame if you want to, 
uh, you know, like a, a timber frame and then just let it grow around there and then you can prune it back each year uh, just to keep it to a, a nice shape. I've also seen them done with uh, hanging wheels. You know, you get, used to get those rose wheels. You let the wisteria grow up, back down, and then it trails down and you get this beautiful sort of trailing uh, effect uh, when they flower. Yeah, I want that. I wanted to actually cover the driveway, like a windscreen. Oh, so you want like an archway all the way up to the house? To go from each side of the, um, from the trees each side of the of the driveway, I want them to cross over. Okay. The tree to tree on, and uh, I just want to cut, cut a tunnel in it. Yeah, very <laughs> very nice. Uh, you just make sure you, you know, if you get a big car, you might you might knock it out. So. <laughs> uh, there's another way in for any big. Ah, okay. Very good. <laughs> okay, Alan. Thanks for the call, mate. Good on you, mate. Thank you. Bye-bye. We've got Kevin now from a curry, and he wants to get some cuttings off lemon myrtle. Hi, Kevin. Kevin, how are you going? Good, mate. Thanks. Yeah, how can we help you? Uh, I was just wondering if I could take a cutting off a lemon myrtle tree and strike it. Yes, you can certainly do that. Uh, Now, the only thing is I would probably wait, even though we were talking uh, to the lady earlier on about a zygote cactus, uh, and, you know, it's fine to strike that at the moment. Uh, For a a plant like uh, Bacchousia or or lemon myrtle, I'd be perhaps just waiting another two or three weeks uh, until that middle of August period, uh, and then you take the cuttings then. Now, take them from up the top of the plant, just where the the green stem is starting to harden up and turn brown and getting some bark on it. Uh, you can then strip that back and just leave, you know, a few leaves up the top, and then plonk that uh, into uh, some uh, propagation mix, uh, and then all in little pots. And then you're best to monitor it that way and just water it as normal. Yeah, you can do that. Uh, so you can also get uh, rooting powders as well, uh, which are little hormone-based powders which promote the, uh, the, the root growth of the plant. Uh, honey seems to have the same effect, so uh, you can also do that. Right, then. Thanks very much. Okay, good on you. Thank you very much for the call, Kevin. It's Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. If you've got a question for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. And we've got Larry from Lambton, and he wants to prune an orange tree. It's getting a bit too tall. Hey, Larry, how can we help you? Oh, good. Uh, Scott, yeah, it's just about uh, an orange tree that we've had in the yard for quite a few years, but it's more or less it's took off and just went... A lot of us just went straight up, and I just wondered to know whether it's the, uh, the right time to. Why uh, I'd like to cut it back because it's probably about or oh, five, probably six metres high. Oh yeah, that sounds like it's got a bit too tall on you. Going through the sky, <laughs> and uh, like we have been getting good crops on it. It's a chopper, uh, chopper orange, the old old time one, but it's very good. Yep. But I want to cut it back down to make it a bit easier for us to, uh, to manage, really. Yeah, you'd almost need a helicopter to get up there and pick the fruit on that one now. <laughs> yeah, you've got to shake the tree. Yeah, that, that, and look, that's the, that's the trouble, Larry, with uh, a lot of citrus. Uh, well, all citrus, in fact. They're only going to flower and fruit on the new growth of the plant. So as the plant gets older and older, that fruit grows up higher and higher. And you often see it with people's lemon trees where... 
you know, the fruit's just dropping to the ground because they can't get to it. And by that stage, it's rotten. Then the fruit fly gets there, it, it sniffs yeah. it out, and in it comes. And uh, all of a sudden, you have this massive fruit fly problem, uh, and you really can't get to the fruit of, of the tree, and it's, you know, next to useless. So the great thing about tr- citrus, though, is that they can be cut very, very heavily. And, of course, you hear stories about... Uh, you know, uh, citrus uh, orchards, when they know there's drought or they're in the middle of drought, they'll actually cut those plants almost back down to the ground again uh, to try and preserve those plants. And I remember, uh, you know, seeing documentaries about that uh, that being done. And then once the rains come back, those plants, you know, they, they come back and they grow and they have a productive life again. So that that's one of the great things about citrus. I'm not suggesting you cut it all the way down to the ground because we're yeah. in drought conditions, uh, but certainly you can give it a good hard prune. And my recommendation with people uh, with, with to people with citrus is to you know just have them uh, you know even two two and a half meters tall, three meters maybe. Yeah. Just so that you can get up and get to that fruit nice and easily, and then once it's finished its fruiting and flowering for the year. Then just give it a snip back and prune it back to shape right. and keep it down to that. And you, you'll get plenty enough fruit off it. The other great thing is you can keep it under control with pests and disease. So Yeah, well, what happened a lot, like the last season is just, it's just gone. The, mm. the shield bugs and everything got everywhere on the blossom up the, up the top and everything. And I didn't get nowhere near as much as the fruit as I used to get. Yeah, and you've got next to no chance of, of getting them when they're up that uh, high. So. Uh, Look, I would just keep it to that, you know, two and a half to three metres tall. Uh, at least you can get up on a stepladder and sort of move around the plant as well. Prune it yeah. down to a, a nice sort of ball shape. Uh, so, look, I, I think you could certainly do that. Uh, look, now's the time to do it. You might as well do it now. Yeah, we'll get it done, yeah. Yeah, okay. And, look, with a citrus, though, the other thing to do is go and grab a product called Steri Prune. Uh, it is a tar-based paint, and when you've done the uh, the pruning and you've got those bare, wo- uh, bare wounds at the end of the branches, I think I thought I was about to do a, a mix-up then, uh, when you've got those bare wounds at the edge of the branches, paint the uh, steri-prune on there to seal that up. And if there's any other cracks in the bark on the trunk as well, use that steri-prune to seal it. So, uh, is it pest- steri-prune? Steri-prune, it's called. Yeah, mate, you can get it in a uh, you can get it in a like a pressure pack, or you can get it in a little tin. Um, right. Just be aware that you'll destroy a paintbrush by using it. But, oh yeah, yeah. well, it's pretty cheap some of the little ones. Yeah, so look, yeah, well, I noticed I, I thick pruned some of the lower branches off that were in the way when we're mowing, mm. and there's a lot of new growth come off where they were, uh, like good good green and and strong growth, but. Uh, like I didn't get any on it this season, but I can see what will probably happen when I do prune it down. It should make, it should work out pretty well. Yeah, you'll, you'll get a beautiful shaped tree then. Yeah. And I think that the main thing is to do is, you know, year to year, just try and keep it that nice shape and keep yeah. it nice and fresh. That's where you'll get your fruit. And uh, you'll have orange juice and uh, for breakfast, uh, you know, for the whole season. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Okay, mate. Okay, good on you, Larry. All right, all right thanks, Tom. Appreciate the call. Yeah. Thanks, mate. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We've got Helen now from Shortland, and she's got a question about a rhododendron. Rhododendron. Very good. Close. Very close. Well, I almost wrecked up bear wound before. I was about to say wounded bear or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Helen, how can we help you? Oh, dear, Scott. Look, I have one of those rhododendrons. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's in a pot. It's very healthy. It has buds on it. It's already gave me a cluster about two months ago. 
But I'm wondering if I should give it a light feed of something now or just leave it. Uh, yeah, look, in a pot, I would be feeding a rhododendron. Uh, I think with liquid fertilisers, the best. Uh, also, there's slow-release uh, fertilisers, you know, like Dynamic Lifter, Bounce Back, uh, those sort yeah. of ones. Uh, certainly use those. They're poultry manure-based, uh, but they have a neutral pH. Uh, right. So the rhodos and the azaleas and things, uh, yeah. they, they handle that quite well. Um, look, the main thing with rhododendron is that they can, like an azalea, get red spider on them. And, yeah, that's when you get that silvery-looking um, yes. colour to the leaves. And it's actually a little spider mite that does a lot of damage. Uh, so sometimes some preventative spraying um, is not a bad idea. And there's a product called Eco Oil, uh, which is a miticide, right. a preventative. Yes. And I, I would definitely use that. Uh, Eco Oil. Yeah, right. I'd use that regularly on your rhododendron, especially during the, uh, the more humid months. Okay, so something that's got manure in it, give it a light feed with that? Yeah, absolutely. Make sure, right. though, it's something slow-release and suitable to use in a pot. Yeah. Uh, you can't really just go and use manure or, you know, like those other pelletized chemically plant food. Right. You know, okay. a bit too strong. So always read the instructions. Make sure yes. that it can be used in a pot as a slow release. Otherwise, if you put a fertilizer in there that's just going to sort of, you know, drop its load into the into the potting mix, you'll burn right. the plant from the inside out. So always oh. important to read the instructions or just use a liquid fertilizer. All right, Scott. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you, Helen. Appreciate Bye. the call. Bye-bye. Well, welcome to Gardening Talk back on a Monday afternoon with Scott Sharp. If you've got a question, 49216216. We've got Sue from Cessnock, and she's got a question about potted poinsettias. Hello, Sue. How can we help? Hello. Um, I got a potted poinsettia for Christmas, and I had it on my um, kitchen uh, bench with filtered light, and it just grew so big and, and beautiful and green and lush. But it got a bit too big for the kitchen, so I took it out and put it on the front veranda, and with, it's got filtered light, yes. but um, it's exposed, and um, it's gone, uh, it's not as bright and green as, and lush, and some of the leaves are falling off. Oh, that doesn't sound too good. I thought you were going to say it got too big for the kitchen and then it got too big for the veranda, so you took it and then all of a sudden it was too big for there as well. But it sounds like the opposite's happening for the poor old poinsettia. Uh, look, yes. t- tell me, did you put it straight from the kitchen out uh, onto the veranda at the moment in winter? No. Uh, no, it's been out on the veranda uh, before winter um, came. So it's been out on the veranda for oh, a, a couple of months. Okay. Now, with poinsettias, um, they're not deciduous, but they're all, I sort of get almost semi-deciduous, but not quite, uh, in that in winter they will drop a few of their leaves uh, and start to look, look a little bit ugly. It could also yeah. be that, you know, on the veranda it's getting the blast of the wind as well. Um, right. So that's probably why it's feeling a little bit unhappy. I reckon the other thing is that you've—it's uh, been like you know your your favourite child in there on the kitchen bench. You've been tending to it, you've been watering it, looking after it, you know, giving it a pat in the head every now and again, and all of a sudden it's been relegated outside to the veranda. Uh, so, and you're probably not looking after it quite as well. Um, you might not be watering it as much. Uh, and then it's exposed to the elements a little bit more. So it's probably just a little bit uh, unhappy because of that, and it just wants your love and attention again. 
inside? Yeah, look, certainly bring it back inside at the moment. Uh, you can prune them back as well, so feel free to oh, give. Can you? Yeah, absolutely, give it a give it a prune back, and uh, it yeah you, it should start to come good, you know, fairly quickly for you, especially if it's back in the warmth of the house. And should I give it any special food or? Because when I got it, it said um, water, um, one cup of water a week and yeah. no more because it didn't like too much water. And look, they don't like too much water. They're actually a type of euphorbia and they don't like a great deal of water. They do grow outside, uh, out in the full sun. Uh, but they will handle being inside. And that's why in those instructions, it's just saying cut down on your watering when you're keeping it inside. Okay. All right. Um, and can I ask you um, one other question about a golden rain tree? Yes, yes. Sir. And look, I might just say one more thing about the poinsettia. Be yes, careful, though, yes. when you prune it, uh, the, the uh, milky white sap will come out. So it gets a bit sticky and oh. yeah, can make a mess. So do it outside. Let it uh, sort of clean itself up and, and heal those wounds and then okay. bring it back inside and give it some love and attention. How far should I prune it back? Oh, look, I'd only give it a, a light prune, um, okay. you know, maybe a third of the plant. Yeah, okay. and it might look a little bit ugly for a while, but then it'll come back for you. Now, right. what did you want to know about the golden rain tree? Um, so we've got two golden rain trees that are side by side mm. um, out the, in the front house. Our house is a 100-year-old home in Cessnock, and it is the most magnificent tree. But do you have to um, trim them back or anything like that? Uh, look, again, you can uh, prune them back. Uh, there's, there's no reason why you can't. Uh, if they get quite large, though, you'd have to get an arborist or someone in to do it properly for yeah. you. But certainly, okay. uh, yeah, your golden rain tree will accept pruning um, quite quite readily. Right. Okay. All right. That's all right. Look, they're, they're not enormous. They're not an enormously growing tree, but uh, you know they can get you know sort of a medium to large size. Um, but yeah, look, pruning them is not going to be harmful at all. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, yeah, Matt, you you give it some love and attention. I will. Okay, I will. Thank you. Okay, bye bye. Bye bye. We've got Kathy now from Spears Points, and Kathy has a potted bird of paradise. Kathy, how can we help you with your potted bird of paradise? Yes, I've just um, potted it. It's in like a half a meter by half a meter pot. Yeah, yeah, so all pot. Yeah. Um, and it's getting all new green shoots. Now, yeah. do I need to feed it with anything? Uh, look, you certainly can. Now, the, the bird of paradise you've got, is it the, the sort of the big-leafed, uh, what I used to call traveller's palm, uh, or is it the smaller leaf one with the orange flower? Oh, okay. Uh, look, you'll know, you'll know the traveller's palm. It almost it sort of comes out flat like a big fan and it grows almost sideways um, rather than as a clump, whereas your, uh, you know, your orange-flowered strelitzia will grow as a clump and stays much, much shorter. Uh, I would, yes, feed it. There's certainly no reason why you can't do that. Uh, you can use a liquid fertiliser or you can use a uh, slow-release, uh, you know, organic fertiliser if you'd like. But again, just go and get some, uh, uh, go and check out the instructions on the packet. So it's okay to do it now? Yeah, absolutely. And you can feed that, uh, you know, your bird of paradise probably about three times a year with that, that fertiliser if you'd like. Oh, good. And quickly, I've got a, a dwarf lime tree that I've had for two years. Mm-hmm. 
and it still hasn't had any buds or anything on it. I have been putting um, chook manure on it. Yeah, and is it in a pot or in the ground? It's in the ground. Yeah, so chook manure is fantastic for it. Uh, Is it in the full sun? Okay. Uh, that, look, that's a bit strange. It certainly should be uh, fruiting and flowering for you. There's a product called sulfate of potash out there, which does promote fruiting and flowering in plants. Uh, so I would go and grab some of that and start using that regularly, probably you know three to four times a year, just to build that potash up in the soil, and that will get your uh, lime tree uh, fruiting and flowering for you. Oh, thank you so much. Not thank a problem. You. Okay, thank you, Kathy. Thank you for the call. Bye. Bye. I think we've got time for one more call for today. Squeeze. Squeezing Debbie from Elibana and the root system of frangipanis seems to have some issues. What's happening there, Debbie? Uh, Good morning. Um, I'm after something uh, to plant out the front of my place. There's a retaining wall there. It's about, the area's about five metres by five metres, and I just want something that um, doesn't have an invasive root system um, to grow in front of a a window to to stop the sun from coming in. Yeah, that's fine. And a frangipani is probably not a bad plant for that in that it will drop its leaves, so you'll get some sun coming in in winter when you want it and some warmth in there. Uh, yes. Look, the, the root system's not, you know, hugely, uh, you know, invasive. It doesn't have big tap roots or anything like that. Uh, and again, with a frangipani, you, it's fairly slow growing, and you can prune it back quite successfully when it's dormant in the middle of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, look, I, I would certainly think that that's uh, possible. Any plant though you put in, uh, you know, near um, the old clay pipes, for instance, they will get into those. Uh, PVC is not such a problem anymore mm. uh, because they just can't get in. Uh, you do have to keep in mind that any plant's root system will be, uh, you know, pretty much the same as what you see above the surface, uh, you okay. know, in the branches. So you just have to imagine that plant as it gets larger, that its root system will spread out that mm. far under the ground as well. Okay, okay. Um, so I've got one in my back garden um, in a retaining wall there as well, and it's about over a metre high, so I was thinking of transplanting that one. Yes, good idea. Certainly do yep. that. Take as much soil as you possibly can with it. Okay. And then uh, stake it and make sure that it's you know, not going to move around too much. Uh, after about uh, nine months, you can take those stakes out and uh, mm-hmm. untie it and let it stand on its own two feet. Great. Okay, thank okay. you. Thank you very much for that, Debbie. Have a nice okay. afternoon. You too. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. And Sally... We're running out of time for another week of Gardening Talkback. It's got show. It just seems to go so quickly because we have so much fun. Exactly right. What a call, great callers again today. Yeah, we, we love having them call in. And we got to the bottom of oregano and oregano. We did. Now, we have been informed very reliably that it's uh, a Spanish herb. It's word and herb. Well, word. Word and herbs. <laughs> so there must be a Spanish flavour and pronunciation to it. Exactly. Yeah. Which was... We're not going to try it. <laughs> Guarding Talk back next Monday on 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.